Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Dorney's Vinyl. This is episode number 15 of season 6. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. If you are new to this podcast, this is a weekly podcast. So every odd-numbered podcast, such as this one, is an album review, and every even-numbered podcast is what I call an EP Extra podcast. So half of those EP Extra podcasts our games, guest starring my wife, so last week we did a game of First Words. And then the other half of those podcasts podcasts are just little, I call them like just little tidbits of information. Um, so a few weeks ago I did a segment on this date in which I looked at the Billboard 200 and the Billboard Hot 100 on November 20th, 1982. And just went through what the top 10 albums and the top 10 songs from the, that chart was. Um... But this is an album rev- an, an, an album podcast, so this is Jeff Beck's album, Truth. So what I'll do is I'll talk a little bit about the artist, so I'll talk about Jeff Beck, I'll talk about the album, Truth, I'll talk about the personnel on the album, and I'll talk about the track listing. After that, I will take a short little break, a little four-second se- uh, transition, and then when I come back, I'll give you guys my song opinions my song rankings, and my album score. So I'll just move in, you know, let's just get this this podcast started. I would assume that you guys clicked this to listen about Jeff Beck's truth. So Jeff Beck was born on June 24th, 1944 in Wallington, Surrey, England. He was an active performer from 1964 to 2023. I believe he just passed away at the beginning of this year. I don't remember the exact date, but it was, it was yeah, unfortunately, this this past year. He was the uh, he was a, a member of the Yardbirds before he would front his own band. He has been ranked in the top five of the Ro- Rolling Stone magazines and other magazines rankings of the best guitarists of all time. He has won eight Grammy awards, being nominated sixteen times, and he has been inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice: once as a member of the Yardbirds, and then once or. Uh, uh, the other time was as a solo artist, just himself. He has released 17 solo studio albums and 22 singles. Of his albums in the U.S. Billboard 200, he has nine top 40 albums and one top 10 album. And in the U.K. albums chart, seven top 40. Uh, and then of his 22 singles, he has no charting singles in the U.S. And in the U.K., only six top 40 singles. So, kind of interesting how he is... Uh, you know, a top five guitarist, you know, depending on who you ask, some people probably would say that he's the greatest guitarist of all time. And only one top ten album to really show for it. So I don't know what exactly that says about his music. Um, you know, I I don't know. Maybe people just don't appreciate good guitar playing. I guess that's what it says. So Truth. It was the first solo, it is the first solo studio album released by Jeff Beck. In March of 1965, Jeff Beck joined the Yardbirds as the replacement to Eric Clapton. During this time, the band recorded most of their top 40 singles. Maybe that's it. Maybe he used all his good music up on the Yardbirds. In November of 1966, Beck was fired from the Yardbirds during their U.S. tour due to consistently not showing to gigs, as well as being a perfectionist and having an explosive temper. In 1967, Beck recorded several solo singles for producer Mickey Most. These singles were successful in the UK, so Beck formed the Jeff Beck Group, 
which included Rod Stewart on vocals, Ronnie Wood on bass, Nicky Hopkins on piano, and Ainsley Dunbar on drums. Recording for his first solo, his first solo studio album took place over four days on May 14th, 15th, 25th, and 26th in 1968, and Truth was released on July 29th, 1968, and it peaked at number 15 in the U.S. Reviews of the album are mostly positive. I unfortunately don't have a review from Village Voice Robert Criscow. He's the guy I go to all the time. I think this album was just released too early for Robert Criscow. But Al Cooper of Rolling Stone magazine wrote about the album, quote, As a group, they swing like mad on this record, end quote. And then Bruce Eater of All Music rated it 5 out of 5 stars, writing retrospectively, quote, Truth was almost as groundbreaking and influential a record as the first Beatles, Rolling Stones, or Who albums. Its attributes weren't all new, but the combination was. The wailing, heart-stoppingly dramatic vocalizing by Rod Stewart, the thunderous rhythm section of Ron Wood's bass and Mickey Waller's drums, and Beck's blistering lead guitar, which sounds like his amp is turned up to 13 and ready to short out, end quote. And other reviews of the album included Encyclopedia of Popular Music rating it 4 out of 5 stars, Music Story rating it 4.5 out of 5 stars, and Music Hound Rock rating it 4.5 out of 5 stars. This album also appears in the book 1001 Albums to Listen to Before You Die. So I'm glad that I got another album out of the way, out of that book. It's a good book. It's one of my favorite books. Just to go through and look at all the different albums. Highly recommend it. So the personnel on the album now. So the Jeff Beck group, it consists of, obviously, Jeff Beck doing electric guitars, acoustic guitar on track 6, the pedal steel guitar on track 1, bass guitar on track 5, and co-lead vocals on track 2, Rod Stewart on lead vocals, Ronnie Wood on bass guitar, and Mickey Waller on drums. Other personnel on the album include John Paul Jones, who plays bass guitar on track 8, and then the Hammond organ on tracks 4 and 5, Nicky Hopkins plays piano on tracks 3, 4, 8, and 9, and Keith Moon plays drums on track 8 and timpani on track 5. And the album was produced by Mickey Most. Moving on now into the track listing for the album. So track 1 is Shapes of Things. The song was written by Jim McCarthy, Keith Ralph, and Paul Samuel Smith. It was originally released by the Yardbirds in 1966, and their single peaked at number 11 in the U.S. In an interview, Beck said that Rod Stewart suggested that they record the song, with Beck wanting to, quote, slow it down and make it dirty and evil, end quote. Music critic Bruce Eater called the song, quote, strikingly bold, deliberately rebuilding the song from the ground up, end quote. And the song is included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. And it was covered by numerous artists, including Led Zeppelin and David Bowie. Track two is Let Me Love You, which was written by Jeff Beck and Rod Stewart. Track three is Morning Dew. It was written by Bonnie Dobson, and it was originally released by Dobson in 1962. So Dobson wrote the song as dialogue between the last man and woman left alive after an apocalyptic catastrophe. About writing the song, Dobson said, quote, After everyone went to bed, I sat up and suddenly I just started writing the song 
although I had never written a song in my life, end quote. And then the Grateful Dead also covered the song and made it part of their repertoire. Track four is You Shook Me. It was written by Willie Dixon and J.B. Lenore. It was originally released by Muddy Waters in 1962. I feel like, and I could be 100% wrong, I feel like I did this song on another podcast before, and part of me feels like it was for um, Steve Miller Band off of Fly Like an Eagle. I could be 100% wrong. I really want to look that up, though. Now It just came to me right now, so I really want to look that up, and I'll let you guys know after the break. So about Beck's version, though, Martin Power writes, quote, Dynamic interplay between Jeff's guitar and Rod's voice, and then he continues later on, Jeff's solo at the end of You Shook Me indeed lived up to his claim, vomiting all over Rod's shoes at the conclusion, end quote. Track five is Old Man River. It was written by Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein II. It's a show tune from the 1927 musical Showboat, and the song is about the hardships and struggles of African Americans during that time period. Track six is Green Sleeves, which is a traditional English folk song that dates back to the 16th century. Track seven is Rock My Plimsoll, which was written by Beck and Stewart. Track eight is Beck's Bolero. It was written by Jimmy Page. It was first recorded by Beck as a single in 1966. Beck recorded the song while he was still with the Yardbirds, recalling, quote, It was decided that it would be a good idea for me to record some of my own stuff partly to stop me moaning about the Yardbirds, end quote. And the song came about with Page playing some chords using a, using a rhythm based on Bolero, which is an orchestral piece by Maurice Ravel that he made in 1928. And the song is divided into three parts, with critic Richie Unterberger describing the third section as, quote, suddenly set off from the main motif, into a beautiful, serene section highlighting slide glissando guitars, end quote. Track 9 is Blues Deluxe, which was written by Beckin Stewart. And track 10 is I Ain't Superstitious, which was written by Willie Dixon. It was first recorded by Hal and Wolf in 1961. Writer Bill Janovitz described the song as, quote, not merely an electric version of the blues practiced in the Delta, it is something wholly new a more aggressive and sophisticated Chicago cousin that acknowledges contemporary jazz, R&B, and pop forms, end quote. And Janowitz would also call Beck's version, quote, an inventive and inspired recording that manages to inject even more power into the updated arrangement, end quote. And Beck's version of the song would rank number 86 on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest guitar songs of all time. That is the conclusion here of the informational half of today's podcast. I'll take this short little intermission. I'll come back with whether or not I was right on uh, You Shook Me, and I will give you guys my song rankings, my song opinions, and my album scores. So stay tuned for that. Alrighty, I'm back after that short little intermission. First things first, I was completely wrong on if... Steve Miller Band did You Shook Me, he did You Send Me by Sam Cooke. So I was very wrong. But okay, let's just get into now my song rankings, my song opinions, my album score. So essentially how I do this, I just listen to the album from start to finish, write notes as uh, I go through, and then rank the songs at the end. I feel like, I don't know, I don't know how these rankings are going to go. But at number 10, I have... Shapes of Things. 
the first song, the song that people like. I thought the song had a very fun introduction. I did not at all like Stewart's vocals on this song. I didn't think that they sounded good at all. They just really hurt my ears. I will say, though, I liked how they were almost being drowned out by the guitar. Like, this song just, I, it was, an, it was a no for me. Like, I, I, I was really wondering, like, was Stuart really trying to sound like a hard rocker? Like, he was trying to sound like, like, this, this song had, like, a Black Sabbath vibe to me. Was he trying to sound like Ozzy? Because he, no. Absolutely not. It wasn't working whatsoever. Kind of sounded annoying. The instrumentals, though, I was like, they're probably going to carry this album. This song had a great wow factor guitar riff. This, like, it even sounded like a late 70s guitar riff that was being played in 1968. And then I was just like, what is going on? Like, the guitar playing at the end of this song then as well. My favorite lyrics for this one. Here within my lonely frame, my eyes just hurt my brain. Will time make men more sane? At number nine, I have green sleeves. So I like how they just kind of threw an acoustic song onto the album. It still sounded really good. This is also, I feel like, the typical song that you hear at Renaissance fairs, like, in my opinion. I could almost, like, I know the song in my head just from either Renaissance fairs or movies or TV shows because, like, I've heard the song. I had no idea that it was actually just called Green Sleeves, though. And I also didn't know it came from, like, the 16th century, 17th century. That's that's pretty insane. I feel like this instrumental is really getting us ready for what's to come for the remainder of the album. Like, there's four songs next. Or, or this was song six, so there's four songs coming. I just feel like they're going to be pretty good. At number eight, I have You Shook Me. I really, like, I like the feedbacky sound that it had at the beginning of this song. Stewart's vocals, uh, while they were better than the first song, Stewart did improve a little bit. This one took a little bit of a step back, though. At the beginning, they improved slightly as the song continued, though. This is just another song that just takes the hard guitar playing of Beck and meshes it well with, like, that almost classical-sounding piano. Like, it's such an interesting combination of sounds, but I feel like it was just so well thought out that it was a very well thought out combination, and they knew what they were doing. Obviously, people making music know what they're doing. My favorite lyrics for this one... You know you love me just like a hurricane, and the way that you love me, baby, you mess up my happy home. It didn't rhyme, but it was a good lyric. Lyrics don't have to rhyme. At number seven, I have Rock My Plim Soul. So there's, I was like, there's the electric guitar riffs again that sound like they're from the future. Obviously from 1968 in the future, not from like the future 2023. Stewart's vocals on this song were above average to start the song. Although I will say I had very low expectations after the first song. I just like how many, like, different things that Beck has done with the guitar on this album. Like, no, and, and I will say, I know next to nothing about guitar playing, but it just sounds like he's using multiple different styles and multiple different techniques of playing. And I really like how much time that, like, they're getting, but I guess that should be expected considering that it is his band. I like that little guitar riff at the end of this song. And my favorite lyrics for this one, Keep on rolling me, baby. Roll me all night long. Because you know that when you shake, rattle, and roll me, my old back, it ain't got a bone. So will you do it? At number six, 
I have Blues Deluxe. I'm assuming it's pronounced Deluxe, not Deluxe. This, had, this song had a very interesting carnival-like piano at the beginning of this song uh, and kind of throughout the song as well. I'm very excited to hear what's going to come out of this seven-minute song that barely had any lyrics to it. Like, I will say, though, these are the types of songs I think that Stewart thrives on. I'm not saying he's incredible, but I think that he's good enough to at least compliment Beck's guitars to make the song sound decent. The pianos, on, the pianos on this song, I think, are the star, at least about two minutes in, and I think, quite frankly, throughout the entire song. Um, the piano player, overall, he had four songs, I think, and he was really good on all four of those songs. I kind of like, though, and, and I, I will say, on this song at least, I liked how the guitar was taking second fiddle to the piano for the introduction. And it, and it just, it was working because of, like, the captivating wow factor piano riff in it as well. I also like how applause is strewn throughout the song at different points. Like, like you know, it's like you play for a couple minutes, applause, another part, applause, kind of like a live performance. And then I was like, here comes the wow factor guitar riff, but there wasn't too much to it. I, I wasn't disappointed in it, but I felt like it was really being revved up. My favorite lyrics for this one, I don't know too much about love, people, but I sure think I've got it bad. Some people say love is just a gamble. But whatever it is, it's about to drive poor me mad. At number five, I have I Ain't Superstitious. I don't really know what to expect out of the ending song on an album like like this. Like, I had no idea what to, what to expect coming into this one. The guitars are whining like usual in a good way, though. Like, I don't mean whining in a bad way. I have to keep reminding myself, though, that this album came out in 1968. Like, the lyrics and the way that the songs are composed aren't very complex, but at least, like, I feel like somewhere around, like, the 70s, like, this two-third model of a song came out where it's, like, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, riff, chorus, chorus. It's just like, no. I like how there's pauses throughout the song to add another level of freshness to it, and then there is just an absolute explosion of sound at the end of this song. It's almost like every part of this album came together for the last 30 seconds or so, which is a very good way to end an album. They did give the drums just a tiny bit too much time at the end, though. My favorite lyrics for this one, I ain't superstitious, but a black cat crossed my trail. Bad luck ain't got me so far, and I won't let it stop me now. At number four, I have Old Man River. This was a very eerie and rhythm-driven introduction, both with the drums and with the bass guitar. I like how the vocals start without any guitar at the beginning of this one. As incredible as Beck is on guitar, like, just give the song some time to build up before you bring it in, which is exactly what he did here, and I liked it. I thought that this might be Stewart's best song vocally. Um, his rasp is able to add a level of emotion to the song that he just isn't able to add on most of the other songs. And when the guitar finally comes in, it comes on strong. This is, I feel like Stuart really liked to say, God darn. I think this is three times on side, on just the first, on one side. I don't think he said it all on the second side, but he said it three times on side one. And I was like, why do you like that so much? I really liked how the drums also were getting the chance to shine on this song. This was mostly a drum song. There was minimal guitar, but the guitar was used well when it was there. And my favorite lyrics, I'm so weary, I'm sick of trying. I'm tired of living, but afraid of dying. And then at number three... I have Morning Dew. 
Stewart's vocals have improved, I feel like, with every song, so let's hope that he can keep it up. Like, and now Beck was just doing some funky stuff with the guitar. Like, the whining that I was talking about, it was more, like, it kind of sounded like Frampton from Do You Feel Like We Do, which obviously came out way after Beck, you know, because obviously Beck did it first, and he was deserving of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a solo artist. I like how it picks up on the second part of the song. You know, the lyrics are so incredibly simple, but I guess that, did, you know, lyrics writing didn't come until a few years later. I, you know... I feel like I just need to listen to more Jeff Beck and the Yardbirds. These were good songs. I like how the piano and the keyboards get brought in on this song, and each verse adds and builds off of the last. He has such, like, calming endings to his songs. My favorite lyrics were, Now there is no more morning dew. What they've been saying all these goddamn years has come true. I knew it would, too. At number two, I have Beck's Bolero. So the first... Five seconds of this made me know that this was just going to be an incredible instrumental. I usually don't rank instrumentals this high, but this one, like, yeah, I, I just had a feeling, and I and it was it was it was there, it was good. I also, you know, the, whatever instrument was accompanying it, I was it was really good. Yeah, I I was fully expecting this to be like a wow factor instrumental. But the beginning of it, it's more like a music that counts than anything. And what I be, what I mean by music that counts, if you haven't heard any of my podcasts before, there's a scene in Eddie and the Cruisers 2, very, very kind of obscure movie, um, where Eddie's trying to teach a guy how to play the guitar, and he's doing all these wow factor riffs, like trying to dazzle an audience, and Eddie's just like, it's the music that counts, not the hype. Well, that's, I actually think that's a different part of the movie too, but that's that's this, the two scenes that I think of when you put them together. This one also, it, it the the song sounded kind of spacey, it, and the song almost does like a complete 180 in the middle of the song. It almost switches um, to a wow factor riff too, and the way that it just combines the two different sounds was perfect. The song did have a slightly abrupt ending though. And at number one, my number one song, "Let Me Love You," the instrument the instrumentals on this song kind of gave me like Black Sabbath vibes. And I was like, can we just get less Rod Stewart and more Beck on guitars? Although his vocals on this song weren't nearly as poor as the first song on the album. Is it like, is it wrong that I liked Beck's vocals on this song more than I liked Stewart's? Um, and and quite frankly, I was just like, wow, like seriously, the guitars are so ahead of his time. Um, I really liked how lengthy the guitar riffs were. Like, just give me more riffs and give me less vocals. I really liked how Beck's guitars almost duel with Stewart's vocals, though, and I can't get over the guitar riffs and the fillers on this song. Like, even the bass guitar and the drums are near perfect on this song. My favorite lyrics for this one, Baby, when you walk, you shake like a willow tree, and oh, baby, you sure look so good to me. So those are my, it's my rankings of the 10 songs on the album. I'm going to get into the album score now. So essentially, how I go about doing the album score is that I give it a, the first part is I give it a score out of 10 based off of my opinion on its lyrics, vocals, and instrumentals, and that's called the Dorney score. So for the Dorney score, lyrically, I gave this album a 6 out of 10. Like, the lyrics were very, very simple. Um, Let Me Love You and Old Man River were really the only songs lyrically that I could even, like, point out. Vocally, I gave this one a 7.5. Stewart was decent. He wasn't great. Uh, he wasn't as, you know, he had a couple songs where he was okay. So I gave it a seven and a half. Morning Dew, Rock My Plimsoll, Old Man River, and Blues Deluxe were the songs that I pointed to 
uh, vocally. And instrumentally, I gave this one a 9 out of out of 10. Um, you know, it, 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 it just, what, I don't know. I think the only thing that really missed uh, a 10 out of 10 was they didn't use the guitars enough. And maybe like I could have, maybe I wanted different instrumentals. But I gave it a 9 out of 10. Shapes of Things, Bex Bolero, Green Sleeves, I Ain't Superstitious. Pretty much any song could be pointed out instrumentally. And so that, that's the Dorney score. It then gets a score out of 10 based off of where it charted in the U.S. and the U.K. So it charted at number 15 in the U.S., so that's 6 points. It was uncharting in the U.K., so it's 0 points. It also gets a score out of 10 based off of where its singles chart. Didn't have any, so a 0 out of 10, unfortunately. And the cover, it gets uh, a score out of 10 for the cover. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. So the total score for this one was a 58.5 out of 100. Not an incredible score, but, you know, charting... It's hard when albums are, like, they, they just don't chart very well because then the score just gets brought down. But the instrument, like, I think it's better than a 58.5 out of 10. That is the conclusion of today's podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, if you're new, please subscribe to me however you listen to this podcast, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Google... Podbean, whatever you listen to. Go follow me on Instagram if you're not already at Dorney's Vinyl in about three weeks or so. Voting for season seven is going to start. So if you have an album that you want to listen to and it's in my record collection and it gets voted for, you got to go vote. And it's like a, it's a lengthy process. It's like two and a half, three months of voting. Possibly more, actually. It might be like four months, quite frankly. I, I make it lengthy because I want the albums that you guys want that are listening. And if you're interested in expanding your record collection, I have used 33s and 45s for sale on an eBay store, which is also Dorney's Vinyl, D-O-R-N-E-Y-S-V-I-N-Y-L. No spaces, no punctuation. Next week's podcast is going to be an EP extra podcast. I'm going to leave it a bit of a surprise. I have it somewhat planned out of what I want to do, but it's depending on shipping, which might sound somewhat strange but it depends on shipping other than that i will talk to you guys all next week i'll have something for you